This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 9 and it's verses 10 to 30, uh, which is on page 1102 of the Church Bibles. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come from here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who called on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by... There was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him to, down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much, Tom. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we pray that um, this, your words, Lord, would, um, you know, would be so nourishing to us as a church family to help us to grow and to flourish, uh, Lord, even when there's hurt and pain and difficulty. I pray, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would help us to see how you are faithful through suffering, even as we proclaim uh, your name. Amen. Fantastic. So we are, uh, we've had a look at how God is faithful through suffering. Uh, we saw in Exodus a God who is huge and does massive and mighty things. He's so big that even though we find ourselves in a world of suffering, he's a big God for big suffering. Uh, and we saw he just split the sea, didn't he, so that his people could be safe and rescued. We also saw last time how Jesus is faithful through suffering for the faithless. And so sometimes when we're suffering, we might feel like God doesn't love us. That's not true, he does. But we feel that. And then also we might get stuff wrong when we're suffering and think, well, now that I've shouted at that person or I've run to that self-medicating pornography or drink or whatever it is, God definitely doesn't love me. 
But we saw he doesn't, actually. He is faithful through suffering for the faithless. And we saw that in the Garden of Gethsemane with that contrast between the disciples' faithlessness but Jesus drinking the cup of wrath for us. And today, I don't know where that red circle is. Today we're thinking how we are called as Christians to be faithful through suffering. We're called to be faithful through suffering. That's what we get here. Uh, And it's really about actually how we're called to hold up the name of Jesus. And sometimes that's painful. That can be difficult. It can be like being asked uh, to volunteer at the front. Have I got a volunteer? Can I get a volunteer? I just need one volunteer at the front. You know it's always safe. There's never any chemicals or any, <laughs> anything like that. Uh, Tom, on, would you mind volunteering? Thank you, Tom. Welcome back from school. Always great to have you here. Now, Tom is going to volunteer for us, which is great, because he's, uh, he's a young man, and therefore he's deeply confident about what I'm about to ask him to do. And what I want Tom to do is just to sing a song for us. Because as we all know, when you're a young bloke, what you love doing is singing a song, a cappella, in front of your church family. Tom, I thought I was going to hold about the song that we should use. I was thinking Sam Ryder's Spaceman. You don't know that one? Do you know any Bee Gees? No? Uh, can we think of a song that Sam would sing? Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor Swift. That's a good one. How are you feeling about singing, even in front of your own church family? It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> singing is so no. And yet, you don't have to sing, by the way. This is what it often feels like, I think, doesn't it? When we are thinking about telling people about the good news about Jesus. It's a bit like we've been asked to stand up in front of our class and sing so no. And honestly, my heart fails. Sometimes I've tried singing from the front. You guys are lovely. But it's difficult, isn't it? And whatever Tom's feeling is often what we feel. Uh, and why? It's because there is, we know, we're going to get it in the neck. As the awesome cutlery guys say, who do kids' songs, I put the harm in harmony. You know? I'm not going to sing it. And so you're going to get feedback, aren't you? And you're going to suffer harm for it. Tom, thanks very much. Have a seat. See, what I'm doing. So, listen, what we've got here is it can be really painful, can't it? But if we, if we do something together... Let's, let's we all sing happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy See, okay, all right, that's right. See, that's brilliant. It's easy, isn't it? And we're all together and we feel secure because we've got the power of all the people around us with us, haven't we? You know? What we're going to see today is actually we are called to be faithful through suffering, but we are given the Holy Spirit to give us that power and that comfort of feeling that we're not on our own, even when we feel like we're singing a solo in front of our schoolmates or our church family. Being a Christian who talks about Jesus can feel like an overwhelmingly awful task. My friends don't want me to do it. People who don't like me will hurt me when I do it. I feel like it's me singing badly in the middle of the stage. It hurts. People are laughing. People are throwing stuff, so I don't want to do it. A lady I know uh, worries about someone coming in to the room with a gun and asking Christians to put their hands up. And she says, would she own Jesus or would she deny him in that moment? That's a reality that many people in the world live with. That's the extreme workings of my mum's mind, by the way. I worry about the guys who just live next door. I'm not worried about people with guns. Do you have that at school or in the office or in the cafe with the other mums? Things that you don't hear at school are, it's my turn to sit at the front, it's so nice that you call the teacher mum, and wow, you're a Christian, that's awesome. You don't hear that in the office either, do you? 
I think it's worse for you teenagers as well as you grow up and you university students, as you go on your missions. It's worse at the minute, I think, um, back when I was doing it, because I think people are less tolerant, ironically, these days. Despite all the talk about tolerance, they're less tolerant. And so whether it's Pride Month with lanyard shoelaces, one girl here endured a PHSE lesson about why Christians caused the Holocaust, and another on how Christians caused global warming. I heard someone else uh, who came into school and discovered that no one would talk to them because social media post response that they had, the response on social media at school to them being a Christian was to organise and get the whole year to give them the silent treatment. Some of us might have a couple of other Christians in our year or in our office, uh, but for most you're on your own, or worse, you're Christians, the Christians who you thought would back you up actually join in with putting you down. Is Jesus worth it? Definitely not when you look at this. Uh, but when you look at this passage here, yes, he is. Everything within me wants to avoid suffering and so not to talk about Jesus ever. Just adopt the penguins from Madagascar. You can tell what stage of life I'm in. Smile and wave. Why do you want to listen to this passage here? Because it's the word of God, but also because it tells us that you can keep going no matter what, that Jesus is worth it, and that we have a power beyond any other to help us keep going. What's God got to say to us here is that we're called to be faithful through that suffering. So the book of Acts that we're in is a little short history of the acts of the Holy Spirit or Jesus in his church as it grows immediately after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to heaven. We meet Saul. Saul hates Christians. He, he so hates them that we read in 9.1 that he, can you see in 9.1? Uh, chapter 9, verse 1, you go back a bit before our reading. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And so he goes to the, the, chief, the chief priests in the synagogues so that actually he can track these people down and put them in prison or have them killed. But Jesus is awesome. And just to show how awesome he is, he appears to Saul and changes Saul totally. Saul goes from a Jesus hater to a Jesus helper. And that's because Jesus is awesome. Have a look with me what happens. In verse 15, Paul is called to proclaim. He's got a job to do. So when we meet Ananias, who's sent to go and see Paul, the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man, Saul, who will become Paul, is my chosen instrument to do what? To proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and, and to the people of Israel. So he's called by God to proclaim Jesus' name. Now, Paul is unique. He's an apostle. We are not apostles like him. We don't have the word of God that is binding on other people. But we are to make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, 19, 18 and 19. And so we are also called to be the town crier, to be the YouTube influencer, to be the personal chatter all about what it is my name. It's Jesus' name, the name of Jesus. Have you noticed that if you get in a conversation about um, religious things and Christianity, you'll always talk about God? Have you noticed that? But this says, my name, say the name of Jesus. It's hard to do, isn't it? 
don't mind saying God, but Jesus' name is different. But here he's called and we're called to say his name. Why is it embarrassing? I mean, he's awesome. What is awesome about Jesus and his name? I bet you if you were to turn to one another now and have a discussion, you would come up with a whole lot of things that's awesome about Jesus. Maybe it's his answered prayer. The fact that he died on the cross so that we might be forgiven. The fact that he's been with you through terrible suffering. He's awesome. And so why are we embarrassed to say his name? It's because his name makes it clear who we follow. It also makes it clear who we do not follow. And so it makes us different. And we know people get cross or angry about Jesus, just like Saul did, breathing out those murderous threats. The world doesn't like Jesus. And so if we're called to tell everyone about Jesus, we are also going to get a hard time for it. Not always, but sometimes. And Jesus promised that to his disciples, especially in John um, 17, uh, 15 at the end of that. So the other thing we learn in this passage is that we are destined to suffer. Jesus is very clear about that. Do you see in verse 16? I will show him, that Saul, becoming Paul, how much he must suffer for my name. It's the same with Saul, soon to be Paul. He is destined to suffer. So, and he's not joking. If you go to verse 20, we see him at once he began preaching in the synagogues. Do you see that? And then by the time you get to verse 23, what does it say there? After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. It's exactly as Jesus said, isn't it? Imagine going to your office place or to your cafe where you gather with your mates or your school, knowing that a couple of your fellow inmates are plotting to kill you. It would be awful, wouldn't it? You'd be terrified of every loud noise, every running footstep coming down the corridor. And this poor guy, he's on his own. Even when he tries to hang out with the other Christians, they're so terrified of him. Can you see that in verse 26? When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. You know, they remember his murderous threats. They've not seen his helping words. And so uh, here he is on his own, just like you and I, uh, without even Chris, with Christians even steering clear of you, uh, you talk about Jesus and the people you were planning, uh, how, they're planning how to kill you, aren't they? And what do you do in that kind of suffering? What would you do? I think I'd give up. But Saul, he keeps going, doesn't he? You look at verse 27b. Uh, what does it say there at the end? He told them how Saul on his long journey had seen the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and how in Damascus he'd preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. He just keeps going. And the same thing happens. Uh, he, verse 29, he talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And then he ends up uh, having to leave that place as well. You might think about giving up on proclaiming the name of Jesus, given the horrible suffering of people trying to kill you every time you do it. But he didn't. Saul is faithful through suffering to his calling to proclaim the name of Jesus. And he goes on and on being faithful through suffering. He experiences shipwrecks, uh, being beaten, being arrested, eventually being killed, all for proclaiming Jesus' name. And sometimes, just the rain makes me want to give up. So how does he keep going? What, what, what is it here that helps him keep going? What kind of thing might make you, or has made you want to stop? I know it might not be rain. But what kind of thing have you experienced that makes you want to not persist through the hardship of proclaiming Jesus' name? I bet you if you turn and talk to the person next to you, you would find all sorts of things. But there'd be a, 
There'd be a theme, wouldn't there? See, it's hard, it's painful, there's a pain barrier, I don't really want to do it. So how can we be faithful through suffering to keep on talking about Jesus? How did Saul not give up? Well, first, he knows that Jesus is awesome. He knows the precious name of Jesus, the only name by which we are saved. If Jesus is new to you here today, there is only one name given us by God by which we may be saved from death to life. There's only one name that we are given by which we might be loved through suffering, no matter how bad we are. There's only one name that can turn us from being a hater to a helper of Jesus, to be a laugher at Jesus, to be a lover of Jesus, and that is the Lord Jesus himself. You've got to meet him. And Paul did that, and it totally transformed him. He knows how awesome Jesus is. But second, he's expecting it to be hard work. God has warned him that there is going to be suffering in verse 16, and so he's not surprised. But even then, how does he keep going? The answer, I think, is verse 17. Let's have a read of that. Verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing, it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me. Why? So that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias has to go and pray for Paul so that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It's the same for you and I when we trust in Jesus. If you haven't experienced that yet, it's a wonderful thing to know the peace of God that transcends all understanding as he comes to live in us, the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who created the world, the stars and the universe, just by speaking. That's powerful, isn't it? And that is the Spirit. You know, what's that like? That's the Spirit that lives in us. You know, my brick illustration is an attempt to kind of show what it's like to have a massive power that helps us hold high how precious Jesus is. But it's even more, isn't it? If you put all the people in the world that have ever lived to help lift that brick, that still wouldn't come anywhere near the power of the Holy Spirit. Imagine God is holding you up. You still feel weak, like you can't do it. But once you start, you're aware of the power of the Holy Spirit coursing through you, inhabiting you. You're experiencing the power of God. And that's how Paul could say later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, his letter to the Corinthians, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not, not destroyed. So the Holy Spirit makes us keep going. The Holy Spirit makes us faithful to God, and not ourselves. We're called to be faithful through suffering and proclaiming Jesus' name. That's hard. But actually with the Holy Spirit, it's doable and it's exciting. Here's the picture, because I'm a visual learner. Let me just remind myself. Oh, yes. Here we go. Yes. Okay, so this is me. It is pretty hard work being in a broken world. There's the world. It is broken. It's filled with people who do not like Jesus. And every time we talk about Jesus, that is super difficult. But actually what happens is, we're not on our own. We have, I'm trying to draw a, like a big chest there, with a, oh, I really stuffed that one up. There is a Holy Spirit in there, which gives you a sort of superhero vibe. Does that make sense? I'm not sure. You might still be struggling to do it, but with the superhero power, the unbelievable power of the Holy Spirit, we can keep going and be faithful through suffering, proclaiming the name of Jesus. There's a, there's a picture up here of a kid being rescued. 
this is, this is what it's like. Uh, this is a really serious, there's a flood going on, there's a danger of death. This child is obviously not going to survive. But the thing that is keeping him is the unbreakableness of the wire, which is not going to shift in the flood and the mud. And the thing that is holding him is the embrace of the rescuer, isn't it? That's what's going to get that child through and over that suffering and out the other side. And that's the power we have, the immovable power of the Holy Spirit, the loving embrace of him with us. So do not be afraid. God, the Spirit, is with you. And that means that we can proclaim Jesus' name. We can do that. He's awesome. He's worth it. He saved us. His name is the only name that will save you and I and others. And so we want to proclaim his name, and we can do it in his power. But also it means we want to expect suffering. Don't be surprised. Be reassured. I'm doing it. I'm proclaiming Jesus' name. Also, we can expect haters to become helpers. God loves to take people who hate Jesus like Saul and make them helpers. Why? Because it shows how brilliant he is. They might be the people you make a beeline for. When someone is really strongly against Jesus, they might be closer than even they realize to knowing him. But also, don't just proclaim Jesus' name, expect suffering, expect haters to become helpers. Expect to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful thing when you're lost for words in front of some amazing big wig, a rabbi, or this did actually happen, actually. A woman I know was trying to explain the gospel to a rabbi and um, a philosopher, and she prayed in her head, and then suddenly a whole lot of Isaiah just came out of her mouth. So I've read that book once. I don't know any of those verses. I couldn't tell you any of them now. But in that moment, it just came out, and those guys all went, Oh, that's amazing. Yes, that's right. Expect to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But also remember, you don't have what it takes to be faithful to this calling. You don't have what it takes, nor do I. But God's Holy Spirit sure does. So when you're weighing up, have I got what it takes to stand up in front of my peers at school and tell them about Jesus? It's the wrong question. You should be asking has the Holy Spirit got what it takes to enable me to stand up in front of my peers and tell them about Jesus? And he does, doesn't he? You measure the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't have what it takes, but he definitely does. I mean, look how much he's grown his church. He's gone from 11 apostles to 2.3 billion today. Measure the haters suffering against God's power to save. Measure their wisdom, those who don't love Jesus yet, against God's wisdom. Measure their lack of love against the love of Christ, not your love. Does that make sense? Sometimes when I'm talking about Jesus with people I know that will not like me or they'll laugh at me or I'll feel like giving up, especially when they're older, um, like amazing philosophical minds or not that I get to do that that much or some seem really clever uh, like you know the scholarship kids in the top class or someone who just reads every book under the sun they look so impressive uh, I like to imagine that I've got a pet dinosaur with me would I be afraid then? no I wouldn't would I give up? no because I've got a pet dinosaur T-Rex with me and so I remember I've got someone that's a bad example isn't it? But it helps me visualize the power and the awesome wonder of having the Holy Spirit with me. 
And so I remember I've got someone more powerful, more loving, more able to help in the Holy Spirit. God doesn't promise that talking about Jesus will be easy. The opposite is the fact, isn't it? But he does promise that when we do make himself known to them and to us, he will work in us and we get to experience that. That is a wonderful thing. We're called to be faithful through suffering as we proclaim Jesus' name. We're given more than we need, way more than we need to be faithful through that suffering in God's Holy Spirit with us. That's our question for coffee. Why not think that over? What difference would it make as I'm just getting ready to share Jesus' name with someone if I really knew that Jesus was stood right there with me as I was doing it? That's all we've got, but better. He's in us. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you are a God that doesn't leave us on our own, but you give us this amazing Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And Lord, you don't need us to proclaim your name to other people, but you love to involve us. You love us to experience your faithfulness through suffering. You love to give us stories of your amazing provision and power, even as we in weakness and in suffering are faithful to this proclamation of the name of Jesus. How precious that name, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of that as we gather around the Lord's table in a minute and as we remember what you gave uh, for us in Christ's body and blood and remember that that means we have you. I pray, Lord, that would help us be like Paul, someone who is faithful through suffering in proclaiming your name. Amen.